0: to Meanwhile in Memphis, where New Memphis is celebrating our city by providing a weekly window into the ways Memphians are solving problems, looking forward and successfully shaping the community.
1: All right, hello Memphis. Welcome to Meanwhile in Memphis, a weekly window into ways Memphians are solving problems, looking forward and successfully shaping our community. This is brought to you by New Memphis. We are a local nonprofit that invests in our city's most important resource, its people. That's you. Um, So we are here every week to talk about what's going well in our city, to talk with people who are innovating and uh, making a brighter future for our city. My name is Anna Mullins-Ellis. I'm the president and CEO of New Memphis and I'm here with my teammate, Christy.
2: Hello, I'm Christy Mullin. I'm the Creative Communications Manager for New Memphis. And this week, we have a really cool lineup for you guys. Um, on today's episode, we'll have Jared JB Boyd. He is the program manager at WYXR, which is the lovely station that is bringing you, you know, us to you today. And then also Caroline Bowman with Chalkbeat, which is a digital publication about education. And she's here to talk more on early education and the times of COVID and how challenging that is for teachers.
1: Indeed. So, this is our first episode. Super exciting. Yeah. Uh, we're excited to be on this new radio station. Uh, this is also going to be available via podcast. So, as I said, every week we're going to bring together a couple of guests who represent some exciting things that we are supporting and interested in uh, as it relates to our city this week. Again, we're arts and culture, uh, we're talking about education. Um, if you have ideas for us, you can reach out to us. Go to newmemphis.org. That is our website. You can learn more about our work, our programs. The work uh that we're doing on this radio program. So uh Jared is about to join us. Christy, are we ready to get started? Yes, I am. All right, pumped. thanks for joining us. All right. So here we are with our first guest in uh, our, our Meanwhile in Memphis show. Uh, welcome to Jared Boyd. Jared is many things to us. He is a graduate of our new Memphis program, Embark for Young Professionals. Yes. He is an arts and culture columnist at the Daily Memphian. And he's the program manager for WYXR 91.7 FM, our new radio station. It's a very meta interview right now because yes. we are on our new radio station talking to our new radio station program manager. so welcome Jared thank you so much for being our first guest. this well, is quite an honor for us.
3: I'm honored to to be here and, and honored to to be a friend and a, I guess a family member now to this organization Absolutely. and um, it seems serendipitous and it seems appropriate and and just you know I'm, I'm filled with such good vibes on the inside from this.
2: Awesome. So exciting. (laughs) So WYXR, it's your first week. How's it going?
3: You know, uh, I could not have asked for a better outcome for this first week. And, uh, you know, so many different people sort of coming together on a project during a time like this where it might have been, it it wouldn't have been an easy feat to do this sort of thing. A year ago, we were all able to just get in a big old conference hall and hash this out. Uh, But it definitely is difficult when, you know, I I was telling Rob the other day, you know, we don't necessarily know everyone's strengths and weaknesses because we Mm -hmm. haven't really been able to sort of see people come and go each day. And, you know, you learn so much about a person from the little things, you know, even if you have just a short amount of contact with them, you know, the, the way that someone looks when they walk through the door. And you might hear an off comment about something they just left doing or what they're looking forward to doing later on. And I wish that I could get a gauge of that when I, when I hear the content coming in, you know, I, I I definitely am being shown sort of what I expected of people as far as the the range of their influence and that sort of thing. But I just wish that I could just know how a person's day is going before I started hearing their music <laughs> and that sort of thing. And, yeah. and so, um, you know, I think that that's what I'm looking forward to. And the, the, I got an opportunity to sort of sit at home and sleep in a little bit and I'm, I'm reading a, a book uh, that, that is about to come out. And so, I uh, played, the, played the radio station in the background. It was my first time sort of hear it as a consumer, and, and I was just really, really just thrilled by just how it sounded and how it felt. Well, we
1: love, like, all things local. Like, how exciting to have a new local FM station, to have it be focused on not just Memphis music, but Memphis culture. Um, so tell us, I mean, let's take a step back. Like, sure. what is what was the vision behind this? How did you get involved? What are you guys trying to accomplish?
3: Well, I certainly, you know, want to clarify. It, 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 I guess it may be a my vision might be a big part of what, what the the product is now, uh, but definitely I wasn't there at the inception of this project. Uh, You know, WMR, the jazz lover, which has been around for, you know, a handful of decades now, uh, you know, uh, or had been at least, um, you know, the University of Memphis sort of wanted to figure out what was the next chapter for that, and they approached the Daily Memphian, as the story has been told to me. and uh, I've, I've said it out loud a few times in front of Robbie, who's been there virtually from the beginning, so I think that I've gotten my facts straight. Um, <laughs> but, you know, the University of Memphis, uh, the College of – Create, uh, College of – Communications, <laughs> yeah. communication, CC, college communications, fine arts. There, it there we go. CCF, <laughs> it's C- like it's theater
1: a lot students. Ones. Yeah, There's and a lot then going like, on. yeah, for people art, who I'm this might be confused.
3: I went to Old Miss, so I'm sorry, I might not oh. know all the University of Memphis terms.
1: <laughs> no, but, no, it's fine.
3: <laughs> but, uh, yeah, they reached out and they reached out to Dave and Dave Memphian really didn't know that they could take it on by themselves, and somehow Crosstown got into the mix. And that was the the right mix they felt of, of organizations to partner to make it a reality. And um, I covered the the news that we were breaking. You know, I, I did. They didn't give me all the information. They said, "Hey, talk to this person, this person, and this person, and this person." It was four, uh, mm-hmm. and, and get get an outlook of where all the organizations are. And so, I, you know, I spoke with Ty from Crosstown, who I knew very well. Uh, Eric Barnes spoke with him, um, and I spoke with Robbie Grant, and. Uh, I guess I said there were four people. There was that's three sides of the. So we, <laughs> it's been it's been a long long few months. But you know I did the story. We're gonna get
1: some sleep for you, since Yes, far. thank you. You know
3: uh, we we did the story. The story came out, and I went to one more meeting of sort of community people uh, to sort of talk about what they might like to see at the station. And there were a lot of people in the room, and I didn't say a ton. I just did a lot more listening. And so, you know, when the pandemic happened, I remember I went to the zoo. And, you know, I was I, I'm, I was hired at the Daily Memphis as a Saturday reporter. That was my mm-hmm. first thing. And I wasn't really there to, you know, be covering music. but I think everyone knows that that's my big interest. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, getting my foot in the door and, and you know, I really needed a Saturday reporter. And I, and I moved back home to be that Saturday reporter. And so one Saturday I was out at the zoo covering pretty much the, the first sort of big day for them in the pandemic, the early times of the pandemic. And it was a panda celebration. And so I went there, and I mean, like even you could tell, even the panda sort of knew there was something not not just right. <laughs> and so uh, it was just a weird energy looming over the day. Yeah. I think that was the same day. Like Opera Memphis went out to the community and sang for people outside of their homes and that yeah. kind of thing. And so I, I popped my head in on that. It's just a, just as hopeful as it was, and great to see pandas at a time like that. um I went. Back to Crosstown to kind of write my thing, and I saw Eric Barnes sitting there, and I just thought, there's there's a lot in in this energy and this spirit, mm-hmm. and this is a weird feeling in this space, and I've been sort of thinking about a way to ask Eric how I could have a role in the in the radio station space that would be bigger, and I knew that would take away from my writing, and I just said, you know what, just ask him, just ask him. Don't be. scared it's The only just way ask to
2: get him. what you want is to ask. Sure.
3: So I asked him, and he was like. I- you don't have to beat around the bush. I think I, 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 we knew you might be interested in that. And so we, we started thinking about a way to transition me out of writing as a reporter and, and into doing this. And, you know, it really, I was sort of starting to get to a point where there would have been some conflicts of interest anyway as a reporter, uh, a full-time reporter, you know, just doing things in the community, serving on boards, doing that kind mm-hmm. of thing. Uh, it just needed a change. And, and he 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 understood where I was coming from. And so we started working towards that.
1: Yeah, no, I love I love the story of the radio station because it's such a Memphis story to me where you have these three unconnected but like collaborative organizations coming together to say like, hey, we have we have this opportunity and then to say, what should we do with it? And I think that to me has been like the kind of quintessential like Memphis way for the last 10 years where you've got the university of Memphis and a local nonprofit news organization and Mm -hmm. an arts organization to say like, Hey, how do we collaborate? So I'm curious, you know, again, the why of the work, like, um, uh, you know, celebrating Memphis music hundred percent, like elevating local culture, giving voice to, um, local artists. So excellent. So, you know, looking forward to a year from today, yeah, what do you guys hope you've accomplished? What do you, how do you hope you've influenced your listenership?
3: Well, first, let me say that Dean Ann Hogan was that fourth uh, yes, source in yes. that story.
1: <laughs>
4: it always <laughs> shout back out to you. You, <laughs> um, you
3: know, uh, first uh, well, let me say it's really, really spectacular to work with Robbie, who comes from a marketing space uh, uh, background. Rather, um, you know, from from what his purview is in Memphis music um, as someone who ha, you know when I was growing up as a kid and we were both from the same neighborhood Parkway Village um, you know I was a little kid growing up and and he was doing these fantastic exciting things with music as an artist and a performer and, and seeing the world and really in a, in a time period where Memphis music didn't really have the identity that it had 20 years prior um, and it was still creating such an impact globally but in this really sort of understated, uh, underground, somewhat angsty, outsider kind of way uh, where, you know, a music industry sort of goes to rubble. Uh, you know, you, you don't, Memphis, Memphis still has performing artists, but Memphis doesn't have ASCAP and BMI yeah. and the music infrastructure that a city like Atlanta or Nashville yeah. or Austin um, uh, and, of course, you know, Los Angeles and New York are afforded today. We do not have that anymore. We were on track to have that. I mean, there's a reason that we have a nearest chapter here because the idea was that Memphis would be a stronghold in in music. And and culturally it is, but that, that sort of industry, business, infrastructure wasn't here to help those artists out when people like Robbie needed that at that time. I was a kid, and, you know, while that was going on, in my little bubble, there's like 3-6 Mafia and A-Ball MJG, and these are my heroes growing up. And so, uh, you know, we come from two sort of interesting sort of ideas of what it means to be invested in Memphis music. And we both have such a reverence for all the things that came before us and all the things that possibly can happen after us. This isn't directly answering a question, but I just really am really grateful to have found a bond with him Mm -hmm. in that way. And he Mm -hmm. understands marketing, he understands uh, systems, he understands how to deal with with me because I can be, I can get really distracted and, and have, you know, get all over the place in my sort of thought process of how I start to figure things out. So we have a really great synergy there. Uh, To answer your question, you know, I think that the two of us together with the help of our separate networks, because we enjoy different types of Memphis music and we have relationships that reflect that, we're able to bring all these people to the table and, you know, Devin Steele came in and he told us, you know, and I don't necessarily agree with him, but he said, you know, nobody's going to tell y'all no. Between the two of y'all, y'all y'all will know somebody who <laughs> knows somebody. Test those limits. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> Come I mean, back
1: in a month and tell
3: us. Nobody's <laughs> a strong word, but there are a lot of people who we can reach between the two of us. I'm astonished yeah. sometimes when he comes back to me and says, oh, I got that. He, he got Andrew Van Weygaard. And I'm thinking I would never, I would never make that ask. I've never because been work brave at,
2: enough.
3: I work at the Daily and I'm not going to ask a favor of Bruce. I know Bruce. Uh, but he felt comfortable to ask Bruce, hey, can you bring Andrew to talk to us? We'd like for him to be on our radio show. It's been the greatest, I mean, on our awesome. radio station, it's been the greatest thing. It was written up by a huge French n- news site yesterday. A Mexican site just tagged us in Mexico, a Mexican music site. <laughs> Got an
1: international already. And
3: it was on n- NME um, as in well. Um, and so, you know, and with my little contacts, my major contacts, I'm, I'm able to sort of pull some people in. Uh, who well, that's the I'm thing about Memphis, of.
1: though. It's a it's a it's a big, small community. And even those musicians like Andrew or others who have Memphis roots but might be out touring nationally globally, you know, at some point before pre-COVID, we're touring nationally, globally. <laughs> like people love their hometown and mm-hmm, to have an sure. opportunity and a, and a platform to come back and contribute back and build the, the brand of Memphis music. And. Mm-hmm. I think it's so, you know, having you describe these sort of two camps that you and Robbie both represent, um, there's so much even in between there. And I think to give it to have one home for all of these amazing kinds of music and kinds of artists is such a gift.
3: Well, you know, I'm so invested in writing about the soul history right now Mm. that, you know, I'm, I'm able to sort of call people up and say, hey, you don't know who I am, but I'm familiar with the records and I know what you did and I really want you to be a part of this thing. And I've really been amazed at the people who've been receptive to that, Um, people who I didn't have any contact to before. And, you know, I'll I'll collect someone's number through whatever uh, I might be doing as far as research. And I'll say, I won't call them until I know what I want to ask. And I just haven't really known what I wanted to ask some of these people. And finally, I have something like, hey, this is a thing that's happening right now. And I want to plug you in some kind of way. And, you know, even if it's you just saying the name of our radio station, I'll record it like I record my interviews and I'll put it on air. And that work with with people already and or just bring me some CDs we can put into our system. Just bring me some just, just be a part of this some kind of way. And people have been extremely receptive. Uh, I just can't can't believe it. Can't believe it.
2: I was about to say, you actually programmed prior to like WX, our launching, you programmed the crosstown um playlist, right?
3: Yeah, I, I did um you know I'm I co-host the Bill Street Caravan mm-hmm. uh and so right. um that project was handed over to Bill Street Caravan and Kevin Cummins was doing it for a while but uh I think there was there's a there's a long history of the the music changing hands in Crosstown even though there's a short history of Crosstown <laughs> I know Area 51 and French yeah. Truck were figuring it out like a daytime nighttime thing at one point mm-hmm. you know and then the security guards were involved at some point and and, and that's just been all this sort of change of hands. And so they just gave it to the Bill Street Caravan and, and Kevin had programmed some music and it was great music, but it was short. It was like mm-hmm. four hours of Memphis music maybe. And the women down that were, you know, doing hair at the salon were like, I keep hearing the same song <laughs> every four hours. It was a fife and drum song. Um, and so I said, Kevin, let me take a shot at it. And so I said, 21 hours should be enough that, you know, it, it'll stagger a bit. So it's right at 24, then you hear the same song at every time each day. Let's not do that, but let's sort of get it a little offset so that it, you know, if you spend a lot of time in the building, you'll hear different music and the more that I dig for records physically, the more I'll go and try to see if stuff's on Spotify mm-hmm. and then I started building it and last I left it, it was at 80-ish hours of Memphis music and my definition of Memphis music might be different from others but if someone has a connection that I know if they produce the record, even if they were in LA when they produced the record or in Chicago when they produced the record, um, I, I kind of want to honor their connection to Memphis and my my big idea was like, you know, all these people are coming and going. And maybe you're getting a, a pizza over over at, I don't know if I've said it out loud on the microphone yet. Trazemino. Um, <laughs> I should have picked the restaurant after <laughs> that pronounced. If you're getting a burger from Farm Burger, that's there we go. One. <laughs> um and or if you're going upstairs to, you know, get an eye exam or go mm-hmm. to the chiropractor. Or if you're going to the Y or if you're, you know, so many different things going on in the building. Uh, My hope is that someone who is so far removed from being recognized or having or or even really interacting with Memphis's music scene walks in and they hear a record that they either performed on, co-wrote, or just, you know, produced something, you know, that they hear it and they go, somebody somewhere that's involved with this knows that I was around doing this thing. Yeah. And I meet people all the time. When I call them, I say, "Hey, um, you know, I know about your music," and they're like, "What?" You know. And so, to see people like Pastor Juan Ship, who's going to have his gospel show on Saturday, uh, being so invested in the operations of our of, of our radio station, he's he's 80, 81. It gives him so much life. Uh, I'm frightened for him because of COVID <laughs> and all that. That he's coming back every day, but I'm but I'm so thrilled for him. That he that he just wants to connect with people and he's getting getting another opportunity to do so and, and we're sharing not only him and his music and his taste but why he's important and giving that context and so um, and, and it's it's not there's, it's never too early and never too late to start giving people their flowers there are people who I think mm. haven't hit up hit well, on okay. that idea yet uh, all the time haven't haven't gotten an opportunity to really show what they can do and I'm mm-hmm. like okay I want that person. Cause I see what's about to happen, and so you know, I I really hate that. So many people that we've encountered between Robbie and myself, Shelby McCall, who's working in operations with us, you know, we we've been forced to get on Zoom calls with people, uh, you know, in other places, and you know, have these these sort of uh, shallow interactions with people who who are you know helping us figure out software or just helping right. us wrap our mind around what's in front of us. We're, we don't. I mean, I I don't have a radio back. Yeah. I you went to school for broadcasts. on a whole lot. Yeah, but, you know, there are people out there who may not know anything about Memphis, may not know nothing about us, but we come into contact with them in that space who are like, y'all are doing what? You're giving 40 people off the street an opportunity to be on the air or different varying levels of, of experience here in this space? You're just going to let them play what they want to play? And we're like, yeah.
1: They're going to listen to this and go, are yeah. you sure? I <laughs> know.
3: You know, people, like, people have freaked out on us, but some yeah. people have been like, no, we get it. And so, you know, it's gratifying that people, and even people who are in this community who are in radio mm-hmm. have sent emails like, y'all never pull that off. Y'all should have left it all jazz. You should, you're should. you taking something away from this community <laughs> that is important. And I believe in that. I believe in how important jazz is.
2: Yeah, it's a of part course. of the
3: tapestry of what we're about to do. It's a huge, Wednesday was full of jazz this morning. And um I, I hope that those people who love the genre find a place there and then, they might stick around a little longer or come mm-hmm. back later on in the evening and, and hear hip-hop, hear house, hear dance hall, hear all those things because our neighbors are invested in it. Mm. And so there's so many places on the Dow that are really invested in, one, selling ads, and two, you know, using a vehicle to, to pigeonhole people and say, no, you're this age, you're this gender, and you come from this economic makeup. This is the music that you like, and these are the advertisers that are going to connect with you. And we're just saying... Just have let's just have fun all day and discover music and have a conversation.
1: No, I love that. And I think, you know, we've talked a lot about music and the, the ethos that you guys have built around supporting and fostering. And, you know, in New Memphis, we're constantly thinking about culture and how, like, what is it that makes Memphis Memphis? Yeah. Like, how are we distinct? How are we unique? When you talk about, when you're walking around our city and listening to music in Crosstown, how does it feel different than being in a Nashville or, you know, in a Dallas? And I think, you know, the fact that this radio station is not just embracing a Memphis music message, but is saying like we're an arts and culture platform and to see the synergy between this work and the Daily Memphian, which, you know, I think is really recreating how we think about local news and making sure that, yeah, you know, we, you know, I don't know, I think about like radio stations as being comparable to like local (laughs) news, like broadcast stations to say like, I know people are selling ads, but to have this beautiful gift where we get to have a space to talk about what's going well in our city and what we love and both the history of our city and what, you know, the richness that made us who we are, but also the future of it and yeah. what we need to foster to continue moving forward. So my last question to you is, I know we've taken up a bunch of your time oh. beyond the the radio programming and the great, or uh, the music programming and uh, all of the the great different genres that you guys will be sharing. What are the other kind of key Kind of, you, you know uh, whether they be. I know the Daily Memphians got space. I know if you're working with some other news organizations. But what mm-hmm. beyond the music are you guys excited about?
3: Sure. Um, you know we're on a program right now. That uh,
1: I was going to say. Just, you can start with this one. Yeah, <laughs> you know, beyond
3: the music here, um, meanwhile in Memphis, and uh, you know what you guys have built, particularly. I mean, with, with TEDx, uh, and, and that's and that's a that's a that's one thing. And, and of course, there's so much other programming. I don't want to pigeonhole you guys to to that. But <laughs> no. I know that. Part of that will, will be in this program and uh, for people who haven't been able to experience that in person or want to relive some of those highlights, I think that's fantastic uh, to to hear the, the wonderful things that are, are being done in this community by people who are tangible, who are real, that you can call up, that you can see in their own vocations that's huge kazukian uh, is a podcast studio that is uh, based right outside of Overton Square mm-hmm. they have a suite of content that they are allowing us to air which we're excited about the Bill Street Caravan will be on with us Dacker Mountain Radio will be on with us out of Oxford, Mississippi mm-hmm. um, oh awesome I didn't realize that yeah um, and who am I missing? Um, Chip Chip Washington's Real Talk on Monday nights. Robert Gordon's Library Conversations from the Benjamin L. Hooks. We'll be supplementing those with new interviews. and So they'll be in, in, a, in the same hour block. We'll run some of Robert's and we'll run some new things that are going on with artists that come by the station. Uh, and, and I think all that will evolve, will continue to evolve. There'll be there'll be more and more content. And, and of course, we, we have a space for talk. Emily Trenholm uh, mm-hmm. will have a program as well. Uh, and so... Uh, this is all just the beginning and I think it's fine if no one sits in front of the DAO all day and takes in all that content Um, there's an opportunity to sort of have a grab bag pick and choose you don't have to be in your car listening to it all day you can wait till you get off of work and you can sort of listen to some things on our website here or there or on our mix cloud or you know there's a way to interact with us and and hopefully when we move on from COVID it won't live in, in, in a media space you can come and we could do things in the Crosstown Concourse together or out abroad and, you know, continue to celebrate Memphis.
1: We, we awesome. can't wait. Well, we're super thrilled to be a part of this. This is yeah. such a joy for us. We're so grateful again for you being our first yes. guest. Yes, thank you.
3: I'm so glad to have you all. And, and there's something that you mentioned, the synergy between Daily Memphian and, and this um, this new venture. I, I, I think I want it to be clear that, you know, the Daily Memphian Gave us the keys to this thing and said, you know, they, there was there weren't really many conversations about who and how and why they fully trusted Robbie and I to just deliver this thing, and and so I I think everyone at the Daily Memphian is is discovering it just how everyone else is is just like wow okay this is what's going on, uh, just a few check ins with Eric just to let and, and our board to just let them know who what we're planning, and and so it's, it's all happening in real time.
1: Well, you guys have earned that trust. Yeah. Well, I appreciate that. You're the right guys for the job, and we're <laughs> excited to have you doing it.
3: Thank you, truthfully. And if I can make this uh, this plea right here, we, we want more more diversity in, in our space. Uh, I, I, I'm very, very aware that two guys running a thing is not all that, that can be. So I, I, really, <laughs> I, I, I keep, keep looking for, for more contributions from women. And, and I'll mention uh, uh, Janet Wilson and um, and Amanda Dent have been pushing oh, yeah. us, uh, pushing us, and behind the scenes have been have been really really uh, instrumental to our success. Fabulous. Mm-hmm.
2: Well, Jared, before you leave us, do you I have one final question for you? Since I know you're the music man, if there's like one song that our listeners should listen to right now, like a Memphis-based song, what should it be?
3: Um, Let them know that you care by George Jackson. Um, I was trying to play that on my show last night, and I couldn't find it in my record box. I, I'm pretty sure that I just Put it somewhere else because I, I think my record box has sort of been it's been frozen in a weird space since pandemic times. I was gigging at Central Station all the time beforehand and my, my, I'm not all the way together. <laughs> so um,
2: <laughs> That's I, to be expected with your first week of watching a whole radio station. <laughs> well, thank you.
3: We'll let them know that you care because um, it's literally a song about letting people know that, you know, it, it, the, the lyric is... Um, if you have someone to love you who thinks the world of you, let them know that you care. And so um, that's what I want to leave with people.
1: That's how we oh, feel awesome. about Memphis.
3: Yeah, Yay. absolutely. Everyone stay safe. And that's that's a great way to let everyone know that you care is to, to take care of yourself and to be mindful of each other's space and, and san- be sanitary and all that. So
1: thank you thank you so much so great to see you good luck in your next few weeks and we'll be in touch I'm I'm sure soon to check back in and see how things are going
3: well congratulations are in order for the two of you as well and for your entire team um, behind the scenes all the Annas and all the other (laughs) faces and names Um, you know this is a victory for all of us this is we are all a part of this so
1: absolutely Mm -hmm. well thanks again thank you have a great afternoon All right, you too
0: Do you love what you hear and the work that we do, make a donation to New Memphis at newmemphis.org.
1: All right. Well, it was fantastic to have Jared here with us. Yes. Um, as we noted at the top of the show, this is our first ever New Memphis Meanwhile in Memphis radio program slash podcast. So we are going to be joining you once a week. We will be here on Tuesday mornings at 8 a.m. on WYXR. Um, but you can also find this hour of content every week at newmemphis.org. That is our website we we'll are pushing out across all of our social channels, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, all the places where you find the organizations that you love. So I just wanted to give you guys a little bit of information. So again, I'm Anna Mullins-Ellis. I'm the president and CEO of New Memphis. My colleague, Christy Mullen is here with me every week. Um, and we are here because we are passionate about our city and our city's future and what it can be. So um, as I mentioned, New Memphis is a nonprofit. We are an organization that is focused on activating, developing, retaining excellent talent for our city. So we want to make sure that our city is really no greater than the people who are here and the leaders who are visioning for our city's future. So we do everything that we can to both engage and develop leaders to make sure they have all of the skills and tools and resources and connections and networks that they need to do their work in Memphis. But we also want to make sure that Memphis is a magnetic city for for talent, so that when you are here in Memphis, living and working, that this is a city that you you'd want to leave, and that you want to be investing in, and that you want to think about what part you have in Memphis's future. So that's why we do work like this. Meanwhile, in Memphis podcast, I know from my work every day in Memphis that our city is brimming with incredible people, leaders who are like Jared, who have started this incredible new um, radio station. Uh, leaders like Caroline Bauman, who's going to join us later on, who is uh, a journalist and is reporting on education. Um, But we're just interested in hearing about the the projects, the people, the organizations who are moving our city forward, who are innovating and thinking about what our city can be and not just focus on what our city is. We know that Memphis has um, a lot of challenges. You know, we are clear eyed about our city and its obstacles, but we know that our way forward, um, whether that be improvements in public education, reducing poverty, creating greater equity, that those changes are in the hands of you, people, talent, leaders who are thinking about what our city can be. So again, Christy Mullen is here. She is our uh, creative communications manager. So she helps run the work at New Memphis that is hopefully helping connect everyday Memphians to the progress that our city is making. So, Christy, tell us a little bit about what that looks like every day in New Memphis.
2: Yeah, for New Memphis. So, from our communications perspective, we want to ensure we are telling the stories of Memphians, right? Especially those that we are engaged with, and those even that we aren't. Um, we kind of really like to focus on what is the narrative of our city and how are we getting better, and also accepting where we are. Um, and so, at New Memphis, we kind of work very hard to like tell the stories of those great Memphians who are doing great things like a Jared, like a Caroline, who are just making such an impact in our city and making sure that we have just a diverse array of voices that are being heard. And so just like to bring it back around to what we said earlier, like if anyone listening has any ideas for like great stories or people you think we need to be communicating with or great talent in Memphis, we would love to get connected um, and can be connected on our website at newmemphis.org. Um, But as far as like just getting those stories, telling what Memphis is doing and how we're looking forward to build a better city is the perspective of the communications team tenfold over at New Memphis. It's just like, yes, we have a great array of alumni for those familiar with our work, kind of what Anna just kind of gave a little bit about. But we also just want to focus on, you know, Memphis as a whole, like we all build better together. So we, that's how we focus and that's how
1: we tell the stories that we do. Yeah. We believe very deeply that what you pay attention to grows. Yes. So if we focus on what's going well, if we shine a light on the progress that we're making in the city, we know that it can be replicated and it can have, um, hopefully more minds and more hearts in the work. Um, so as Christy said, if you are out there with a great project, you're, um, pushing our city forward in positive ways, reach out. We would yes, love to hear please. from you. Um, if if there are, if you, you know, we'd love to have you come join us on this radio program to talk about your work. We're always, you know, we are not experts um, in the space of education or arts and culture or anything else that we cover. We want to make sure that we are aware of and building advocates for all of the work that's happening in different corners of the community. And what I am most motivated by in my work at New Memphis is that there are truly incredible leaders leading in every corner of our community. And they are tucked away in every neighborhood and every organization and they are slugging it out and just doing just amazing work at every level. So we're happy to be here. We're going to have Caroline come in the studio in just a minute to join us. So again, we're here meanwhile in Memphis with New Memphis. I'm Anna Mullins-Ellis. And I'm Christy Mullen and tune in every Tuesday at 8. So uh, every once in a while on this uh, on this episode, we're going to make sure we check in with our friends who are helping lead in the education sector. Um, you know, here at New Memphis, we understand that education is important, not just because you might have children in our public schools, not just because you might be in our public schools if you're listening, but because we know that educating our kids and making sure that they have amazing opportunities and a bright future is essential to the success of our city overall. So at New Memphis, we are... Here to lift up and tell the stories of those working in education. We want to support teachers, principals, those who are leading in our schools. Um, an amazing asset for us that we continue to look to as our expert in education is Chalkbeat Tennessee. Uh, today our guest is Caroline Baumann. She is the community engagement strategist for Chalkbeat. She previously served as Chalkbeat's community editor and reported on the state-run Achievement School District. She came to Chalkbeat as a reporting intern. And now, many years later, she has a master's degree from the University of Missouri. Um, You can find her bylines also in the Kansas City Star and Financial Times. She does amazing work over at Chalkbeat. She leads an incredible team. Welcome, Caroline. Thank you so much for joining us. So glad to be here and talking about my favorite subject. (laughs) Excellent. (laughs) Well, first, just to give all of our listeners a little bit of kind of foundational context, what is Chalkbeat? What do you guys do and why do you do your work?
4: Totally, totally. Totally. Um, So Chalkbeat is a nonprofit news organization uh, dedicated to writing about education and in particular education and equity. So the really big questions, right? What makes schools and school systems inequitable? How could they be more so? Um, We actually started in New York City and Denver because our founders saw um, this really alarming trend, which was as newspapers in particular shrunk or disappeared altogether due to um, kind of a breaking financial model of how news is paid for. We could have a totally different podcast about (laughs) Mm -hmm. journalism. That's not why we're here today. It's a good idea. But essentially, um, next episode. (laughs) Yeah, I, I, I could talk about that all day. Essentially, our founders saw this really alarming trend that education reporting beat reporters who Entire job, their entire job was to write about the, the complex and important public school systems in their community were disappearing. That was one of the first beats to go. Um, there's a plethora of reasons for that we won't get into. But what they said is that can't stand. This is incredibly important, accurate, nuanced reporting about what's going on in public schools really does make public schools better. It helps inform the public. It helps hold accountable public figures. It's really important. And so that's why they found uh, Chalkbeat as a nonprofit, because they believed that education journalism at a local level was valuable enough that people would want to fund it. And thankfully, let's see. So uh, Denver and New York City were the first Chalkbeat bureaus, and now we're in eight states. Tennessee is one of them. So thankfully, their bet really paid off. Their uh, assumption was true. People see the value of quality education journalism and are, are um, willing to fund it. And so we came to Tennessee, oh gosh, I think it was seven years ago now. We started as basically one journalist and have since grown to a small but scrappy team. <laughs> and our job is to write about what's going on in Shelby County schools in particular, in Memphis in particular, but also we have a full time State House reporter. That writes about education policy from a state level. And that's really, um, that's what we do.
1: Fantastic. Well, this must be a very uh, interesting and challenging year to cover education. So much, like it's a moving target. Yes. Um, so many unique obstacles um, for our administrators and educators. So tell us a little bit about here in 2020, we're sitting here, it's, it's October, thinking about, um, you know, I know Shelby County Schools is all remote learning right now. There's some disparate policies happening across (laughs) the municipalities and private schools so as you guys have been you know just sitting in a newsroom thinking about an editorial calendar and what you guys want to focus on what stories have been most prescient and like just most important you guys have been thinking about this year
4: totally yeah i mean i think um everyone's working well i won't say everyone but i'd say most industries are working in overdrive during the season and journalism in particular, if you know a journalist, send them some chocolate. It's been, a rough, <laughs> it's been a rough couple months. But, you know, and so we and thinking about the school year and it restarting, we definitely had some big, um, big things on our agenda. And so one is just keeping track of district po- district policy, trying to ensure that that's communicated well to our readers. Um, it's hard and confusing what's going on right now. Uh, Who's making the decisions? What are they basing them on? I think we've had this line in almost every single story we've written that um, Joris Ray, the superintendent, you know, says SES will remain virtual only until the daily number of new um, cases, new coronavirus, coronavirus cases in the county Declines to single digits for two weeks. Mm. Um, we've included that line in almost every story we've written recently because it's so that's such an important, it's so impactful fact, mm. yeah. um, and it's just not maybe as widely known as as you would think. Mm. You know, part of our job is to really communicate what are the district policies being set and what's influencing you know those decisions. I think some people think we're just in virtual learning indefinitely for this year. We might be but there are some clear metrics that the school district is communicating and we're trying to get that to our readers. The second thing I'll say is, you know, the beautiful part about journalism is we're, we're the first draft of history. And so getting those, um, those facts on paper, so to speak, is really important, but we also get to tell the stories of real life people. Um, and so we've really focused on what are parents, teachers, students, like? what are their lives right now mm. in this virtual learning season? after a really chaotic spring where we all thought it was just going to be an, well, I won't say we all, but most of (laughs) us thought it was going to be an extended spring break and then we'd be back. Um, Obviously not the reality. And so what does that look like for students? You know, we did this beautiful valedictorian package in May that gave um, Memphis valedictorians the chance to give their speech on a virtual stage. My colleague, Laura just published this absolutely beautiful piece about, Um, A young ninth grader in Memphis as part of the series we're doing on ninth graders across the nation who are in such a pivotal year in their life. And it looks so wildly different than it ever has. And so uh, my colleague Laura spent some time virtually with a ninth grader and really captured what it is like to learn at home right now, Mm -hmm. I think, in a really meaningful way. Um, We've also done a lot of crowdsourced journalism, so to speak, because our journalists can't be out in schools can't be on the streets looking for people the way we normally do. So we recently did a survey where more than, you know, 50 Mympians responded, lots of parents, students, teachers, about just what their lives are like right now. And so that's those are the kind of topics that are really important to us, and we want to make sure we're detailing what's going on at a
1: really nuanced level, but we're also telling stories in a very human way. Mm. Have you seen, you know, I, I know every school – in Shelby County is obviously, you know, they all have different leadership and they're approaching things differently. But I know there is some blanket supports. I know, you know, in terms of technology, um, financial support, have you seen any examples of something that's going really well, a school that is doing something innovative or even a, a particular teacher or classroom that has tackled something in a, in a way that really inspired you?
4: Yeah, it's a great question. And I think um, there are so many individual stories, you know, like that, mm-hmm. that we're trying to amplify. I would say a very general statement, and then I'll give us a specific story. So the general statement is that, you know, Shelby County Schools has talked about wanting to be more one-to-one in terms of technology. You know, in the Mm -hmm. education world, that means one device per every student. It was like a very big trend in the education (laughs) world over the years. And Shelby County Schools was super far from that. Mm -hmm. And, you, you know, one of the a kind of unintended consequences of this pandemic has been this influx of technology into Shelby County schools. And that's difficult in some ways, you know, if you don't have the training, if mm-hmm. you don't have the resources, if you don't have the wifi set up, or, you know, there are challenges, but it is a, I think a really exciting possibility that suddenly we're going to have a lot more devices for a lot more kids. And that could be a benefit after the pandemic mm-hmm. for sure. Um, you know the specific story I'll give is uh I think principals just do not get talked about enough, and their leadership <laughs> does not get highlighted and celebrated enough, but um you know, a couple of principals come to mind who have just gone above and beyond to communicate to their teachers, taken phone calls from parents at all hours, somehow educating their you know helping with their own children's education at home. Mm. Um, I've just heard quite a few stories from principals that really inspire me because their jobs and what you they're they're in a leadership position that is unbelievably difficult right now. And yet I think they're, you know, doing it in a really humble, um, supportive way, supporting their teachers, supporting their parents and somehow still sleeping and eating and staying
1: sane. I think <sighs> it's incredible what principals are doing right now. Yeah, no, I couldn't agree more. And. You know, at New Memphis, we, of course, um, we work with teachers to help uh, support them, develop them, help them think about themselves as leaders. Um, and that work does extend to principals. Mm-hmm. And you do forget, you know, these are people who are thinking about not just curriculum and pedagogy, but they're thinking about leading teams and motivating large, you know, t- teams of teachers and other support systems that are very challenged and trying to do their work in completely different ways. And to keep them both like inspired and motivated, but also to make sure they have their the resources that they totally. need to do their work. And, I, you know, it's been fascinating to hear teachers who are translating their craft into the virtual space. And I know there's a lot of learning that has happened in the yes. last few months. And while I know it has been, I mean, and, you know, God bless all of you parents who are <laughs> helping your <laughs> no children at home. Yeah. It is a learning experience for everybody. But I do believe that we're going to get better at it. And I've seen us get better at it. And if it has to persist and, you know, we certainly don't want it to, but I, I know Unfortunately, this week we're, we're not not as close to that single-digit number as yes. we yes. would want to be. Yes, so, certainly not. Um, You know, is there anything that, you know, as a, just a regular listener who might be tuning in right now? Like outside of the education sector. Yeah, anything like, that we can do to support, the, you know, the work of teachers or schools um, beyond just educating ourselves and making sure we're aware of, of the work that's being reported on in Chalkbeat.
4: Yeah, totally. Well, I think that's a big piece is being informed. And, you know, obviously, I'm biased, but I'd say Chalkbeat's the best spot to do that. (laughs) Um, There's just going to be a lot of moving parts and a lot of change this year. Um, I think that's the only guarantee is change Mm -hmm. for this year. And and so I think you, you have to be informed to know how to help and reading Chalkbeat's a good way to do that. You know, I also think just thinking about the people in your own life and the where you live in the schools. Um, You know, I think a lot of people want to help, especially in the public school space. And sometimes they can presume what that help should be without really knowing, uh, without really knowing, Mm -hmm. right? We all do that. We all think that we can come in and be a great help. And we end up, you know, Buying a bunch of chairs for a school that has a billion <laughs> in storage or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so I would just really encourage folks to, again, reach out to principals, like back to the principals mm. thing. Principals are the CEOs of their little kingdoms and, you know, have a lot of authority and a lot of insight into what they really need. And I, I think principals would have a laundry list for folks. If you were to reach out to a school that, say, you want to adopt, maybe your church wants to adopt or your um, your company. Or if you have a school in your neighborhood that's mm. part of Shelby County Schools, even if you don't have kids that go there. Um, that would be my strong recommendation because I think that that principle is true always. But certainly this year, a lot of the things that schools would normally be asking for or holding drives for, it's just radically different, right. you mm. know.
1: Um, yeah. No, that's excellent. Um, and, you know, thank a teacher. Yes. <laughs> yes. Always. thank Extend a Extend <laughs> both your sympathies and your patience to those who are working in education. Um well, we're we, we're as I said, we're gonna have um a representative either you or someone from your team to come join us from Chalkbeat at least, you know, once a month or so to check in on education. This week uh, is is special because we actually have yeah. an event that New Memphis is hosting alongside Chalkbeat. Super excited. Yeah, yeah, we do this at least once a year. We focus, this is a virtual luncheon. Normally it is a an in-person luncheon, but we have a series of events called Celebrate What's Right. Um, and the name explains it all. It's where we lift up and celebrate what is going well in our community. We try to put a spotlight on the people, the organizations who are making change pushing our city forward creating progress and we know as i said at the top that education is such an important part of our city's future so we always try to dig into a specific issue within the education landscape and for our event coming up on october 20th um, we are going to be focusing on early education so when we talk about early childhood we're talking about pre-kindergarten um you know so we know at new memphis that this is an important issue but i it really I didn't learn about the the significance of pre-K and early childhood until a few years ago. And it really opened my eyes to, wow, this is an issue that every city should be focused on. So mm-hmm. tell me a little bit about what makes early childhood such an essential part of education.
4: Yeah, I mean, I think we've just learned so much as an industry, both education and journalism, at how crucial the early years are in in terms of long term um, results academically socially emotionally for students and so you know the brain development that happens from zero to two is just astounding um and so certainly you know I, something I love to talk about is how I think in um, in many people's minds still the early education field, the the child care fil- f- um, field is you know uh, kind of like perceived as babysitters mm-hmm. like you take your kid to a place they watch them the kid is small, like how much can they really be learning when in the reality, those are some of the most crucial years of their academic lives. And I I do think that switch is happening slowly to view those years that way, to develop curriculums, to view early childcare teachers as educators of the highest degree, Mm. um, not as babysitters. So, you know, I think it's important to know the science, but it's also important to know the trends that you know, it's why I'm excited to to have this conversation, even in this pandemic year. Um, early child care providers have been hit really hard during COVID in many different ways. Uh, they've also innovated really interestingly during this time in many different ways. And so I think it's a really important conversation regardless, but I think it'll be a particularly interesting one this year.
2: Agree. So like, how do you think those outside of people that have like the young younger children kind of like how does like the early education impact those outside of that um so you don't have you know kids but that i feel like it has a lasting impact sure um
4: yeah absolutely i mean you know i think all of us want memphis to thrive right like all of us want um incarceration rates to go down. We all want graduation rates to go up. We all want, you know, access to college and career readiness. Like, even if you don't have kids or don't have young kids, you know, all of us want really good things for the city and for its development and a strong workforce. And, you know, we could go on and on. And I, to Anna's point, I think a lot of people have retooled their brain in recent mm-hmm. years as more research has come out that early childhood development is actually a really critical piece of achieving those goals, even though that seems impossible. Like, how can the first two years of a kid's life um, affect who they are at 18? But the the research is there. And so I think more and more people are getting on Mm. board with that. And, you know, that's why things like universal pre-K has been a push and a trend in recent years is because cities and policymakers and advocacy folks are looking at the the research and the numbers and saying you know what we really got to do something um because unlike kindergarten through high school um early childhood isn't a guarantee mm-hmm. you know as a young kid in america yeah. you're not guaranteed to go to school uh
1: when you're zero through two um, and when or you're zero thinking about four, equity as you said earlier right. it's you know it, it is such a demarcation between those who have access to those resources and those who do not totally and the consequences in our broader community and as as you noted, the data, the research is just so utterly clear in what these outcomes are. And, you know, I think we're accustomed as a community to think about, you know, to think back in the pipeline. So when, you know, if you're, if we're talking about, you know, people in their 20s who are underemployed or unemployed, like it's natural for our brains to go, well, we've got to go back to high school. How do we prepare them? Mm -hmm. So I think, you know, logically speaking, you do take it back to say, if we're not giving our kids the foundation that they need to both be mentally physically emotionally successful as they enter right you know the k-12 system so i'm excited for the conversation um so I, I should have noted that caroline will be moderating a panel yes. of four amazing experts in this field who are working at four different incredible organizations mm-hmm. so um i hope you you our listeners will join us again it's october 20th that's our celebrate what's right virtual luncheon on early education the event is from noon mm-hmm. that day to one o'clock You can log in via Zoom. It's free and open to the public. If you go to newmemphis.org, you can learn more about the event and register, newmemphis.org. Caroline, tell us, how can people uh, read more of your work uh, and access Chalkbeat in general?
4: Yeah, absolutely. Um, So go to chalkbeat.org. I would encourage you to absolutely look at our Tennessee work. We also have a national page. Um, What's going on in Memphis isn't happening in isolation. So Read our Memphis journalism, but also read our national journalism because a lot of the the things that we're seeing in Memphis are national trends. And I think we tie that together really well and help you understand what's going on throughout the nation, not just and and how Memphis fits into that conversation. Uh so that's chalkbeat.org. And of course, we're also on Facebook and Twitter and all the things. Um, <laughs> Excellent.
1: Well, thank you very much for joining us. I know we'll have you back again soon and I'm sure the world will look completely different yes. in we weeks, so <laughs> hold tight. Yeah. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Thank you for having me. This is really fun. Thanks, Caroline. Okay.
0: New Memphis is transforming our city through the power of connection. Be sure to stay connected with us by following At The New Memphis on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn.
1: All right. Well, that does it for our first ever episode of Meanwhile in Memphis. We are so Mm -hmm. grateful to you for tuning in, whether you're listening live on WYXR at 8 a.m. on Tuesdays, or if you have found this podcast at our website, newmemphis.org. We're thrilled to have you. We will be here every week, as I said. Join us. We've got great guests lined up for next week. Um, I will also remind you, as we mentioned with Caroline, we have our Celebrate What's Right topic is the early education space um it is a virtual free event it is on october 20th so very soon noon to 1 p.m so right over your lunch break log in join us you're going to learn something amazing you're going to be inspired and hopefully you're going to want to help make some change in memphis um so again that's celebrate what's right on october 20th uh also new memphis has another public event coming up it's our memphis 101 event this is again free and open to the public It is virtual right now, so it is safe for anyone to join us. Memphis 101 is an interactive presentation where we give you basically a Memphis history lesson. We understand that if you want to be a part of building Memphis's future, you need to understand its past. You need to know where we came from, how, you know, if you want to know where we're going, you've got to know how we got to where we are today. So it is a tight, you know, 60 to 90 minutes where um, some of our folks give you a history lesson and help you understand how Memphis came to be who it is. So that is on November 10th. Um, again, you can register for both of those events for free at newmemphis.org. Christy, what else do we need to know this week before we close out? Yeah, just some
2: general reminders, community reminders coming up. Uh, voter registration closed on the 5th. So just as a reminder, get out there and exercise your right to vote. Um, early reg- uh, not early registration, but early voting early starts vote. very soon in Tennessee. So just make sure, you know, your vote and your voice matter. So just make sure those are both heard. And also, um, this is really exciting. I find it very exciting. Our friends at Indie Memphis are having their, I believe it's the 23rd annual um, film festival on October 21 through the 29th. And it's actually going to be outdoors. They've retooled and reformatted and are going to
1: have a whole series of films available for the public to watch outside. So, if you are not familiar with Indie Memphis, they yes. are a gem in our community. It doesn't make, like... We have an incredible international film festival right here in Memphis. As Christy said, it is both online and outdoors, so super safe. They do have limited tickets this year because they are doing, um, you know, more restricted capacity. So go get your tickets now in the Memphis Film Festival. And yeah, yeah. you definitely got to vote and kind of think what else we have this week. I know. I think we've covered have so we much. Have we covered all of it? Have yes. we done it?
2: We covered all this stuff in the Everything's week. been covered. All <laughs> no. the news. All right. I'm sure we're missing something, but this is our first episode and we're just super excited to be here. Oh, I know point. what I was going to say.
1: Census. Oh, yes. The census has been expanded by one month. I so did not know they extended it, it. Yes. Thank you, Supreme Court. Because I already filled out my <laughs> census and hopefully all of you have too. Hopefully you have. The deadline was extended um, back. It was actually reduced down to September 30th. You can still fill out your census through the course of October. Do that if you haven't yet. It's so important to our community. And I think that does it. I think we've done it all. Yes.
2: Thank you guys so much for listening to us. And
1: hopefully, hopefully we haven't chased you away and you're tuned back in next Tuesday. Yes. Thank you for joining us for Meanwhile in Memphis. And we'll see you next week. Bye.
0: Meanwhile in Memphis is brought to you in partnership with WYXR. Produced by New Memphis and hosted by Anna Mullins Ellis and Christy Mullen. For more information, please visit newmemphis.org. Audio for this show is recorded and produced by the OAM Network. For more information, please visit pod901.com.